Hello, credit union executives. Welcome to See You on the Show, where we give you up-to-date information on how you can reduce risk, keep key talent, and take a strategic approach to your personal financial wellness. Hosted by me, Doug English, a certified financial planner and former credit union insider with ACT Advisors. Back on the show today to continue our M&A conversation is Harry Gonzalez. Harry has over 20 years experience working in the credit union and banking space. And uniquely, Harry has helped credit unions purchase banks and merge with other credit unions. Today, we take a deeper dive into credit union M&A, including why your credit union may want to consider a bank acquisition. Tell me about the process of deciding to merge in a bank, to buy a bank as a credit union and to bring that in. So in the first place, why? Uh, Second place, uh, how is it different than bringing in a credit union? And then what should other credit union leaders think about that are having those sorts of thoughts? Sure, sure. So the reason why you would buy a bank is very similar to why you would merge in a credit union, right? Mm -hmm. All of the same balance sheet opportunities, all of the same membership growth opportunities, geography, all of those things matter. Those are all relevant, right? The process of buying a bank, keep in mind, you do not merge a bank. It is an asset that you purchase. So you will write a check. Hmm. When you merge a credit union, the thing that we say is when you figured out a merger partner, right? And you bring these two things together, they give you the credit union and then they pay you to take it, right? So they give it to you. So there's no check that is written. If I'm the merger and Doug, you're the mergee, we combine and I didn't have to strike a check. And the whole pay you to take it is I get your capital, Mm. right? Whatever's left, we're going to burn down some capital through the process of merging. We're going to have to exit some contracts and those kinds of things. But when we're done, we've become a bigger entity and we have more capital. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. It sounds very good. (laughs) Yeah. It's there's really no downside to it other than execution. Right. If if you cannot execute on it, you should not attempt. But again, you can hire resources to help you do that. In terms of buying a bank, you will write a check. And typically, here's how it works what you do is is you say, look, I want to grow my organization. I want to go into this new market. Well, there are no credit unions to merge in that market. Or are there any smaller community banks, right? Here's the math. There's something called tangible book value at a bank, otherwise known as equity, right? And you can look at their tangible book value and the price that you will pay is generally 1.2 to 1.4 times that book. So if they have a million dollars of equity, you're going to pay a million two to a million four. Now, maybe you feel like I I don't want to pay a premium, right? But understand that the day after the acquisition, right, that's the A part of mergers and acquisitions, the day after the acquisition, you get a million dollars, right? So through the beauty of accounting and FASB, what you ended up paying was the $200,000. I see. Right? And here's, here's how I have convinced boards in the past that this is a good thing to do. If you want to build a branch, If you want to build a branch from the ground up, it will cost you $2 million. Now, depending on the land cost, et cetera. But we'll call it a $2 million branch. 
And that branch, as we all know, will take five to seven years to break even. We haven't turned a profit yet. We've just broken even. Now we're at zero, five to seven years in. And then we'll start making money on that branch, right? But it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. Or you could spend $2 million, purchase a small community bank that already has a branch. Mm -hmm. And the very next day, Doug, and I know you're going to love what I'm going to say next. The very next day, you have cash flow. And as the, in the words of Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, cash flow is king. (laughs) And so you're making a return on your investment the very first day. When you go through that process and you do the math, what you will find is that your ROI, your return on investment for bank acquisition is generally less than 18 months. Because remember, you're only writing down the cost of the premium that you paid because their capital comes over. It's, it is a wonderful thing. The bank acquisition is generally a lot easier. And I'll say this because it is purely a financial transaction. Mm-hmm. When you're merging a credit union, you have to deal with ego, culture, morality, challenges, those kinds of things, right? What do I do with the CEO? Oh, in all that industry, right? Because that credit union was founded by four people that got together in the 1930s in the machine shop. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the bank, you're really only trying to make 10, 12, 13 people happy. And none of them work there. They're called (laughs) shareholders, (laughs) right? Not credit union shareholders, bank shareholders. So these are people that came together to start the bank, to form the bank, for one reason only, to have a return on their investment. Generally speaking, that's an exit, right? They'll call it a liquidity event, right. but generally it's an exit. And so when that bank has somebody that comes to them and banks, by the way, shh, dirty little secret, they love credit union deals. <laughs> and here's why. It's cash, right? They don't have to get stock. When a bank merges a bank, requires a bank, it's a stock transaction, which means, Doug, I have to believe in you and your ability to execute on this bigger organization and so that your stock will appreciate at some level and And I'll be able to exit then. You're probably locked up for a while too. For a while, yes, sir. Versus a credit union who comes in and says, hey, I've got a check. I want to buy your organization. There's no morality, right? There's no culture fit. The shareholders just don't care. Now, that's banking, right? Like, that sounds harsh, but the reality is it's an investment. And so it's easier to do that. It sounds like either merging in a bank or a credit union, it can be be potentially a great economic strategy as long as the composition of the entity is in alignment with the entity that's merging it. So. You know, you can do the search. You can find uh, an, an entity that's in the space that you want to go in that has the finances, or the financial structure that you're looking for. But then if you're talking about the credit union, you've got the, the politics, the history, the emotion. What's the next step on, okay, and you look at a county, three counties over from you, you want to be in that county. There's a small credit union there. How do you start to build that? bridge between the two that's more than an economic bridge, because as we know, that's not what credit unions are are about. Right, right. One of the things that I have found, and I call this a milestone, right? This is a watershed moment. 
the two CEOs need to sit down and have lunch. And they really need to understand what's in it for both of them, right? If I'm the mergee, I want to I wanna make sure that, and, and, and I'll say this, generally there's three pieces for the mergee. I need my, to make sure my employees are taken care of. By the way, that includes me, right? <laughs> like that's a really important piece of this. Absolutely. Right? Because if I'm 35, I got a long time to work. So am I going to have a job? If I'm 65, maybe not so much, right? But if I have a SERP, if I have a pension plan, does that get accelerated? Does it get vested? Change of control yep. generally does that. Yep. I understand now what's in it for me. And sometimes the merger CEO has to explain that. Yeah. So I think it's really important to know that you're going to take care of the employees, the membership, obviously, are super important. And then thirdly is the board. What we have found that works really well is to create an advisory board. Yeah. So, or to expand your board, right? So if I'm the merger credit union and I have a seven person board, would my board be willing to go to nine, right? So that we could accomplish this merger, bring over two of their board members and sit them on the board. Or would I be open to creating an advisory council or an advisory board where some subset of their board members will come over? Not every board member will want to come over, Mm -hmm. but in every merger, at least two do, right? (laughs) And generally speaking, it's the chair of the board and one other, maybe a supervisory committee person, et cetera. So you have to make accommodations for those three pieces, right? How am I going to treat the membership? Right. If we have donations that we make every year to the VA hospital, we want to make sure that that continues. That's really important in a credit union merger. Right. Look, we have an employee drive and we contribute to light the night. Right. That's really important. Will that continue? So as the merger credit union CEO, you have to be prepared to answer those questions and be honest about those things from a membership perspective. Look, these are the things that we do. We have a family fun day. We bring everybody out to whatever, and we want to make sure those things continue. We're really passionate about financial literacy. Are you going to continue our financial literacy thing? So those are the kinds of cultural process things that you have to click through. The board's a big deal. The CEO is a big deal. And then you have to be honest about taking care of the employees. One of the things that I've always said is, if your employees will pass our pre-employment screening, then they will have a job. (laughs) And that's really important, right? Because if I'm an employee at a credit union for 25 years, you probably haven't drug screened me, background checked me, or pulled my credit. And if I had to go do that again, as the CEO of the merger credit union, I want to make sure I know what I'm getting. Yeah. I think it's important as the merger credit union CEO to talk about things like training programs. Right. We train our employees. We take pride in our employees and we invest in our employees. If I were on the other end, I would want to hear that. I want to make sure my employees are taken care of, my board is taken care of, and the membership is taken care of. That's the cultural stuff. In a bank, you won't have a single one of those conversations. You just won't. So the thing about merging credit unions versus buying a bank, right? The credit union tends to be a lot more emotionally based. Right. It's 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 all about culture and emotion and feeling and politics plays a big role mm-hmm. in the credit union merger because they're going to have a continuing effect on the combined entity. Right. So if you merge a credit union and you've got two of their board members sitting on your board, they're going to have a continuing impact and a vested interest long term ongoing with that merger. 
Any idea? Is there an average time to merge in a credit union? Is there a length of time that takes? I would give it a year. I would a give year. it a year. Is okay. There, obviously, the smaller ones are faster, but you've got to wait on regulatory approval. I would plan anywhere from nine months to a year, and almost regardless of size, right? Now, when we talk about that credit union, you got to understand they're going to be a part of you forever, right? Versus a bank, it's a transaction. They're exiting, right? They don't care if you tore down every building the day after. They, mm. they really don't. And the thing about buying a bank is there's some hidden gems in the balance sheet and the income statement that like credit union folks, yeah, hidden gems are good. They're the like, and so we built a model where we can show you, as an example, there are two things specifically that banks do that credit unions don't do. And the, the two things are they pay their board members director fees and they pay income tax. Now, look, I'm not getting into the debate, Doug. Oh, yeah, don't touch that. Of paying directors or income tax. I'm just saying all banks do this. And when the credit union purchases the bank, that money goes away. Sorry becomes income. It becomes income. It's a beautiful thing. And so as an example, we were looking at buying a $100 million bank and they paid, what's the number, Doug? $280,000 in income tax, right? All of that went away. So when you model this ongoing operating expense piece, you got to subtract those things out. And there's a several, couple several nuggets in there in the financials of a bank that a credit union would not continue that become income, mm. right? Or at a minimum, they're not a drag on earnings. Right. And so, so this bank that made $200,000 a year, think about this, right? Their net income was $200,000 a year, was automatically doubled by the removal of their director fees and their income tax. So there's a lot of power, Very by the way, under both of these scenarios. And so if you understand them, it will help you make the decision to buy a bank or to merge a credit union. And again, I'm happy to help because that really is the question, isn't it, Doug? It's not to be or not to be. It is to buy a bank or not. Right. To buy a bank or merge a credit union. Thank you, Harry. Your insights on M&A probably have a lot of listeners asking themselves that very question. You're very welcome, sir. That's all the insider credit union knowledge we have for this episode. Can't wait for the next episode? We're always available through our website at act-advisors.com. That's act-advisors.com. See you next time and see you on the show. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual security. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.